Jesus is with his disciples and he tells them something. He said, I'm leaving. As a matter of fact, it's essential that I leave. Now that's a strange statement that here's Jesus and here's the power of God and here's the miracles of God. But he tells his disciples, it's absolutely essential that I go. But he said, when I go, I will send another. This is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you and teach you and guide you and give you all truth. Everything we need to know, whether it's in serving God or doing business or raising a family, the Holy Spirit The fullness of that Holy Spirit will show you and I every single thing we need to know. Can I have an amen? Amen. Then we see Jesus dies on the cross. And after he dies on the cross, he's resurrected or or he's seen 40 days. And he's teaching them and he's showing them. They come to Jesus in Acts chapter 1. And they said, Lord, when will you establish your kingdom? Jesus said, don't worry about that. Don't don't worry about when we're going to heaven. Take care of this life. And that is a main message for you today. How many of you are born again? Okay, you're going to make heaven your home, right? So let's not worry so much about going to heaven. Let's worry about bringing heaven down to you so you can walk in that life and that life more abundant. And the way to do that is you see the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus said, don't worry about that. And then he he said, I command you, don't you leave without the Holy Spirit. Now, first off, and I've said this so many times, the last thing Jesus is telling the, the church or telling his disciples is, don't leave without the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit must be something that is incredibly important. I mean, if, 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 if some great man or some great woman is on their deathbed and they're about to go and they said, let me leave you with this one last thing, that person would feel that that thing is very important. Well, here's Jesus saying his last words to the world, to you. And he says, don't you leave until you get the Holy Spirit. Now, if all the Holy Spirit was, was shaking and quaking and quivering and falling down, that wouldn't be that important. But the reason for the Holy Spirit is to lead you and guide you and teach you and show you all things that you need to know. Now, that doesn't just mean spiritual things. It does mean spiritual things. But there is wisdom in your job or in your family or in your business. There is wisdom that Almighty God has and he wants to release it to you so that we can have the anointing of God, signs, wonders, and miracles. We can have the wisdom of God, but we can also have the prosperity. Prosperity for the next year is linked to the wisdom that God will give you And that is released in its hundredfold portion in four weeks. So the question comes up, how do we get there? How do we we make this happen? In Acts chapter 2, 
When the Bible says they were all filled with, with the Spirit of God, they were in one mind and one accord, it says something very powerful that we need to hear from Hebrew into English. Listen to me. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Life is not this battle we put up with. Life's a game. Enjoy the game. Because we win when we know how to play the game according to the rules. How many want to be a winner? Say amen. Amen. All right, now listen to what I'm about to tell you. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. The Bible says in Malachi, return unto me and I'll return unto you. God says, how do we return? And the answer is in tithes and in offerings. Now we know this, but listen to it so you can see what God is going to do for your life. The word offering comes from the understanding that three times a year, God passes a certain window over your life. It's not there every day. These windows are on Passover, on Pentecost, and on Sukkot are the Feast of Tabernacles. They're not there any other time. Three times a year, we are to come before the Lord, bring an offering, not come empty-handed, and when we do what God tells us to do, He opens up these three different windows. If we get all three windows open, we are on the way to 30, 60, 100 fold. Now, let me throw this real quick in you. You cannot get to a hundredfold if we don't know the three windows. Can't do it. That's what Jesus is talking about. But there's another part to the 30, 60, 100-fold. The other part is not only are there three offerings that we bring, but there are three ways that we give. We give our tithes. We give our stedkah. Right? And then we give our first fruits. This gets us to 30, 60, 100 fold. But look at what I'm about to show you in the next few weeks. Let's say we give our tithes. Let's say we give our offerings. Let's say we give our first fruits. Now, determining whether or not we get the 100 fold is not the seed we plant, but the type of soil you and I become. Let me say it again, and I'm about to explain this. Number one, no seed, no harvest. Are we in agreement with that? So God is opening. When On Passover, he opens over our lives grace, divine grace, divine protection, divine favor. I've just finished the last chapter of my new book, and I explain divine grace, unmerited favor from God, divine protection. That no matter what God brings in your life, he will guard the enemy, the destroyer, from attacking you. Divine, our divine favor. He'll cause men to give to you out of their bosom. He'll cause bosses to give you raise. He'll cause people to walk up and say, uh, what do you do for a living? I'm looking to hire somebody. He'll cause people that were going to sign contracts with somebody else to sign contracts with you. This is the Passover. On Pentecost, he releases wisdom on how to do business. How many know if you get a lot of money, but you don't have the wisdom of how to handle it, you'll be more broke next year than you are this year? Right? 
Okay? But watch this. And then on Feast of Tabernacles, he brings the farmer rain, the latter rain, and, and he rebukes the devourer so that, so no, nothing can destroy your, your crop. But watch this. So we get the seed in the ground, but what determines to get the fullness of the hundredfold? Because the hundredfold is all good soil. But what determines it is how good you and I have soil have become. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I do know that, you know, I live in, in Rockwall, Texas, and we have, you know, our soil is called black gumbo. And I don't know if you've ever seen black gumbo in Texas. I don't know why God made it. My, I have horses out there, and my horses get it on, and their hooves get about this high, and you can't get it in, and it doesn't grow good. It's soil, but it's not the best soil. The question in Hebrew is, why does God put 50 days between Passover and Pentecost? On Passover, when Israel stopped being slaves and left Egypt, or when you and I received Jesus and the power of his resurrection, we had slave mentality, or the world mentality. When I first got saved, I didn't know how to act as a Christian, or walk as a Christian, or talk as a child of God. I didn't know, and neither did you. Now, hopefully, after 35 years, I act different today than I did then. Hopefully, I'm better soil. Amen? Now, I have to say, there have been some years I just roamed around in the desert. There are some years I didn't change a whole lot. Since I've been studying the Hebrew of Christianity, I realize not only can I change, but God expects me to change. And so in these 50 days, if you read, sometimes it's called the three festivals, sometimes it's called Shavuot, sometimes it's called Pentecost, sometimes it's called the festival of weeks. There are seven There are seven weeks, 49 days that God says calls the counting of the omer, the counting of the measure. And the purpose of that is not just to count the days, but in those days to make yourself a better child of God than you were this time last year. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm trying to take a complex thing and make it simple. How many want to get to a hundredfold? How many want the blessing of God, the wisdom of God, the power of the whole? How many want in four weeks to God give you wisdom to do whatever you want to do, whatever he's called you to do, to give you that anointing, that wisdom, and the finances to get there? Okay, so the question is, is how much will you change today from today till the day of pentecost now if you say pastor there's nothing left for me to change well number one lying is a sin 
Exaggeration is a sin. So in these 49 days to Pentecost, 49 plus 1 is 50. In the 50 days, 50 days from Passover, this is Jubilee. This is the time that if we hear and obey what God is saying to do in our lives, not just planting seed, but in our lives, then God will come in and he'll set every slave free. He'll come in and pay off every debt. He'll come in and give us all the wisdom. He'll come in and give us all the anointing. And so the 50 days is to prepare you and I to go from acting like an animal into acting like a child of God. Am I explaining this simply enough? On Passover, we brought a barley offering. Barley is what they fed slaves. Barley is what they fed the animals. But on Pentecost, we bring a wheat offering. Wheat is what the kings ate. Wheat represents the harvest and the abundance and the finances. And so we know these three windows that are passing over us. But God gives us a 50-day period to prepare ourselves. And as, as the rabbis say, not just count the days, but make the days count. So right now, you and I are on a journey of making ourselves the very best soil that we can possibly be so that God will pour us out the fullness of the hundredfold blessing. Now, ancient Jewish wisdom says the way that this journey begins is the way of joy. Now, that's strange. Joy. You, I would have thought the way the journey begins is thou shalt not steal or thou shalt not worship idols. But the way this journey begins so that we can get to the hundredfold point, God teaches us the very first step. We can't, we can never get to Pentecost until we have this first step. And the very first step is the step of joy. Now, we all know this scripture. Listen to this. Nehemiah chapter 8. It says, the joy of the Lord is your what? Now, we hear that. We hear that so much, we don't hear it. But I want you to, that's what I'm saying. It's such a simple thing, but I want you to hear it. Can anything, can anybody steal your joy? If anything steals your joy, if anybody steals your joy, they haven't stolen your joy, they've stolen your strength. Now I'm going to explain this, but you you need to hear this. God's people ought to be the happiest people on the planet because we know that all things work together for good. Amen? Okay, now in this, do you have Leviticus chapter 23? Look at verse 15. Leviticus 23, verse 15. It says, you shall count for yourself the days of Omer. Now look at me. You and I are saved by grace. Nothing we can do can save us. But here it says, once you're saved, 
and we go on to Pentecost, it says, you shall count for yourself. There is nobody can make you happy. There is nothing that can give you joy. You and I have to count for ourselves. This term count for ourselves in Hebrew is the word lachem, which means to elevate ourselves, not just know the day is coming, but to prepare. The first thing in order to get to the fullness of God is to prepare ourselves by understanding that the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many believe that because of the blood of Jesus, there is no enemy that can destroy you? Right? No enemy. In Deuteronomy, God comes in and says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you and you're coming. I'm going to bless you and you're going. I'm going to bless you. 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 I'm going to run you down with my blessing. You'll be blessed and you're coming. You'll be blessed and you're going. You'll be blessed in your field. You'll be blessed in this and you'll be blessed in that. But then in Deuteronomy 28, let me read it to you. It says, because you did not serve God with joy, the enemy will defeat you until he has utterly destroyed you now that takes it from a whole new meaning of i ought to just be happy to i'm really going to make up my mind that i am going to be filled with joy let me say it again I'll bless you in your coming. I'll bless you in your going. I'll bless you in your field. I'll bless you in your fruit. I'll bless you in your house. I'll bless you in everything you put your hands to. But because you did not serve me with joy, it opens the door and the enemy will put a yoke on you until he destroys you. So when I read that, I determine nothing is going to steal my joy. And it gives a whole new meaning to the joy of the Lord is my strength. Tiz has always said this for years and years and years and years. You're as happy right now as you decide to be. There's nothing that can make you happy. How many have ever heard this saying, he makes me so mad? Really? He does? Well, don't let him do that. Or they make me so mad. No one can make you mad. And here's the flip side, no one can make you happy. Nothing, no, no new car. No, how, oh, they can make you feel good for a while. But joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you don't serve, and you know, the interesting thing when I was, when I was studying this in the Hebrew last night, it's not serving the Lord when you come to church. Although that is a good place to start. You ought to, you ought to at least be happy when you come to church. But serving the Lord doesn't mean just in the synagogue or in the church. Serving the Lord means in your house. At work. We ought not be the grumpy Christians. If you, are you, are you, I'm I'm taking a very complex thing and making it simple. If you are a grumpy child of God, it releases every curse on your life 
until your enemy destroys you. See, I knew this church was a cult. They want me to be happy and rejoice in the Lord all the time. Why do you think God says rejoice in the Lord? And again I say, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. When the devil comes and steals your joy, there's only one reason. He knows God is getting ready to bless you and he wants to come in and poison the soil so you don't get your harvest. How how wonderful this is. We don't have to fast 40 days and 40 nights. We don't have to beat ourselves. We don't have to suffer. We don't have to be in pain. All we got to do is be happy. Oh, I don't know that I can do that. Think about this. All you've got to do is be a happy person. And you know what? What does the Bible say? If you don't feel it, fake it. No, that's what it says. It says put it on. Listen, listen let me, ladies, let me help you. Frowning causes more wrinkles than smiling. Right? Now, I, I know this sounds you know, almost childish, but guys... In four weeks, we're getting to the place of Pentecost. We're getting to the place where God will open the window of heaven. Yes, you got to plant a seed. Yes, you're to come before the Lord, not empty-handed. But it's not just the seed that God's looking at. It's the soil in which the seed is coming from. Amen? On the day of Pentecost, Jesus said, don't leave. I command you, don't leave. You've got to have this. Why? Because I'll send another. It's it's better that I go so this other one can come. Why? Because when Jesus, when the wisdom of God was in Jerusalem, that's where it was. When it was in Capernaum, that's where it was. But now, it can be in your boardroom. It can be at your house. It can be in your school. It can be in your home. It can be in your neighborhood. It can wherever you are. The wisdom of Almighty God can be there. But we have to begin the preparation by being happy people. Amen? And when we're happy... It's the first step in Pentecost that the wisdom of God will come. Listen to this about joy. In Hebrew it says, in Psalms, serve the Lord with joy. Listen to this. Gates of wisdom and divine inspiration were opened to those only as a reward for serving God with tremendous and boundless joy. Now let me say it again. Let's say you're building a business. Let's say you're, you're doing a job. Let's say you're, you know, and we're talking about the economic side of that. Gates of wisdom and divine inspiration. Lord, what do I do? And the Lord says, I can't tell you. And we go, why Lord? Because you're a sourpuss. Let me say it again. How wonderful this is. 
gates of wisdom and divine inspiration. Lord, Lord, speak to me on what stock to invest. And everybody goes, how are you doing this? Oh, divine inspiration. What do you do? Do you fast? No. Do you pray 25 hours a day? No. What's your secret? I'm happy. Now that's cool, right? But let me read it again. These are the teachings of joy. Why is the joy of the Lord our strength? Why is it the first step to the Holy Spirit? Gates of wisdom and divine inspiration were open only to those as a reward for serving God with tremendous and boundless joy. Let me give you another one. Joy is a revelation from God. Joy unearths latent potentials that no one even knows knew existed and amplifies revealed potentials to levels no one ever thought possible. Joy is an infusion of self that spills over to places and achievements far beyond your soul's natural horizons. Joy! Did you go to the university for 15 years? No. Did you go to the great scholars and the great teachers to give you this wisdom? No. How did you learn this? I got happy. Yeah, and you know what? You know, you think about, you, you know, this is probably a corny illustration. But when Anna got married... And uh, we're getting ready for a wedding. She decided that uh, we're all going to take dance lessons. And dance at her, or her wedding. And I was furious. Plus, God, I'm not dancing. I'm a child of God. You know, Joseph, my friend in Jerusalem, he said, you know, the devil invented American Christianity to take all the joy out of knowing God. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, you think about it. I, I, at that time, I had three children. I never danced with my wife. It, it, I'll give it a minute. <laughs> never danced. And yet the Bible says that we're to dance before him. And we're to dance, you know, not that we're going to become a dancing church. But dancing is, a, is, is symbolic of joy. You know, there's in, in Judaism, there's an ancient uh, uh, story about joy. And the one who has no joy is deaf to the music of God. And the story goes that, and there's two ways. One was on the streets, one was in, a, in another room. But this deaf man, this man who was deaf, was known as the, the, the grumpiest man in the synagogue. I wonder who the grumpiest person in church is. Not you. I know it's not you. And he was going by and he said he looked into this room and all the people in the room were waving their arms and spinning around and doing all these things. And he just, all he did was see people jumping and spinning and, 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 and dancing. And he goes, the world's gone mad. They're gone mad. Look at how they're acting. But the reality was it was a wedding celebration and the music was playing, and they were dancing and celebrating the union between a man and a woman. And the story was, he thought they were crazy, but they were hearing the music, 
and his being grumpy caused him to be deaf to the music of God. And the story is, is that when we're grumpy and we're not happy, we can hear the music of God. We can hear the music that'll tell us what deal to get into and how to do this and how to do that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Somebody say amen. amen. Think about this. Joy releases potential that you don't even know exists. You may think, well, this is as far as anybody in my family's ever gone. Get filled with joy. Decide to be filled with joy. And God will take you to potentials and levels you never really knew existed. Look at this. Defeating ancient Jewish wisdom says defeating life's battles is largely dependent on maintaining a joyous disposition. Defeating the enemy is mainly built on a joyous, maintaining a joyous disposition. Say, well, how can that be? Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. If all things work together for good, we don't have a right to have a bad day. Look what it says. Joy gives you energy and stamina. Have you ever noticed grumpy people just kind of sit around? Joy gives you energy and stamina. I won't teach on all of them. Joy causes you to focus on the good things, and what you focus on is what you you hit. Joy causes good things to happen to you and multiply in your life. Joy is the nature of God, and you're made in the image of God. First Chronicles, strength and joy are his place. So when we're full of joy, we are like God. But when we're full of sadness or being grumpy, we're like Egypt. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But listen to this. This is the most important. When there is joy, the divine presence is now allowed to enter. When there is joy, there are no pitfall pits to fall in. When there is joy, obstacles evaporate into thin air. Where there is joy, the divine is invited to enter. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The joy of the Lord is your strength. From the time of Passover till the time of Pentecost, the time that God opens the middle window and pours out his wisdom and pours out his anointing and pours out the finances that will normally last for the whole year. But you know what ancient Jewish wisdom is prophesying? Those Gentiles who enter into it today, this year, they'll never go back through the valley. They'll never fight those same battles. Those battles are over. So what do I need? Well, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And the very first one is joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. People are going to walk up to you and say, why are you so happy? Why are you so full of joy? Why, why, is, why are you in such a good mood all the time? 
And you can tell them, because I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And when you know God, all things work together for good. Just think, there is an anointing that's wanting to come on you. You say, well, Pastor, why does God do this? Because he wants to prepare. You know, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, the devil wants me to get in a bad mood. It happened in 92. It happened when the guy pulled out in front of me. Every once in a while, the devil doesn't want us to act like the children of God. Can I tell you something? Your attitude's a habit. Say amen. Amen. Our attitudes are habits. You know, people say attitudes are contagious. And the question is, is yours worth catching? Here's what we decide. Starting today, nothing steals our joy. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. When you, listen, when, when you decide to be happy, you decide to serve the Lord. You decide to go to work happy. You decide to get up happy. You decide to come home happy. You decide to talk to your neighbors happy. When you decide to be happy, the divine wisdom of God will come into our lives. And he will lead us and guide us and teach us and even show us. that. You know, I can't, I can't help but thinking, just think what he's going to show you. Oh my gosh. I mean, can you, believe, can you imagine? Just think what he's going to show you. I wonder how many people are thinking, you know, you, you listen to the news. Just come to him by the Holy Spirit. And you come, how am I going to ever retire? You know, you look at uh, people losing their retirement, they're losing this. How am I ever, ever going to get up to another level of life? How, am I, how in the world would I ever buy my own house? Can I tell you something? The spirit of all truth is already in you. He's just waiting for you to lift up your hands and praise him. And when you do it, he's going to fill you, not 30, not 60, but it's your turn for a hundredfold. If you receive that, give the Lord a great big clap offering of praise.